couple of weeks ago, I was reconnecting with a student, Jacob, who I hadn't sat with since prior to COVID. As he caught me up on his life, he told me about his astoundingly unique summer job. Apparently, he is excellent at a computer game called Destiny. Also, apparently, the game enjoys a worldwide, almost cult-like following. Gasp. I had never heard of it. And someone in the broader community reached out to Jacob on one of their message boards. This man told Jacob that he really wanted to advance his status in the game, presumably unlocking various benefits, but didn't have enough time or skill to do so. Instead, he would pay Jacob to the tune of thousands of dollars over the course of the summer to log in as him and enhance his playing profile. When I heard this story, I was incredulous at Jacob's good fortune, earning a small mint to play a game he loves, but more so that anyone would actually pay another person to register achievements that he knows to be artificial. The great pleasure of success in a game, or in any endeavor, is a direct outgrowth of the effort we invest. Perhaps in the game of destiny, one could outsource the tedious minutia and reach their goals. But in the realm of personal growth, to reach one's life destiny, outsourcing is not only unsatisfying, it is categorically impossible. One of the most intense and early arriving set of holidays in recent memory has just concluded. Fasting and feasting, praying and prancing, we embraced the full gamut of emotions and activities. But at its heart, the Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot Triumvirate orients us towards one primary objective, change. Human change is a complex, halting, and variegated process. It can be precipitated by quiet contemplation or exuberant inspiration, by deprivation or even by abundance, all motifs that variously populate the fall holiday landscape. But for change to stick, to last, there simply is no substitute for hard work replete with false starts and frustrations. The Torah's very construction drives this point home. On Simchat Torah, the final day of the holiday cycle, we both conclude and commence reading the Torah. The final words of the final Parsha extol the greatness of Moshe and how he performed great deeds and wonders before the eyes of all of Israel. The Talmud explains that this alludes to Moshe having smashed the first set of tablets in front of the Jewish nation when he descended from the mountain and found them worshipping the golden calf. This is how the Torah ends. How anticlimactic. We then immediately commence chanting the Torah anew from the very first Parsha. Bereshit begins benignly enough with God's creation of the world and of mankind. But already by the third chapter, world history has been derailed. Adam and Eve violate the single injunction they have been enjoined to observe. They are forced from Eden and beset with the life-altering burdens of grinding work, birth pains, and, it would seem, even death itself. Only one chapter later, we encounter history's first fratricide, and actually the first homicide altogether. Soon after, in next week's Parsha, we will read of a cataclysmic flood triggered by theft and immorality, and then of the Tower of Babel, where a collection of mortals attempt to overthrow God. All of this overwhelms us with an unassailable truth. The moral life is difficult. Spiritual growth demands effort and entails frequent failure. And most saliently, it cannot be outsourced. Nor do we want it to be. As the Talmud tells us, a person prefers one measure of their own produce to nine measures produced by another. Our hard-won achievements certainly mean more to God 
who we believe is interested in our process more than our product. But as it seems the destiny delegator didn't appreciate, they mean far more to us as well. Shabbat Shalom.